Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. If you have your Bibles, turn to two places. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to give you an Old Testament passage, and then James chapter 5, New Testament. Genesis 3, Old Testament, James 5. I want you to mark those spots there. We're in a series called Missing Pieces. Somebody say Missing Pieces. And uh, the last several weeks, we've had such a great time talking about community. Sometimes that's missing in our life. We want friendship and don't necessarily know how to get friendship. Many of you stepped up to host a small group environment. I'm so encouraged by the stories that I hear coming out of that initiative several weeks ago. People are not only finding a new place in God, but they're finding new friendships and and growing in their faith. So we talked about community two weeks ago. If you were here last week, we talked about purpose and uh, how important it is. Uh, The day that you were born the day you're born again, and the day you discover what you were born to do. We talked about within the context of community that you discover your gifts and you develop your gifts. Let's see if you can guess what we're going to talk about today. I want to read this story I came across this week to help us launch into this topic. A man was desperate for work, so he applied to the local zoo because he heard the zoo had some openings. Well, it's a little unusual, but I do have something said the zoo director. Our gorilla died some time ago, and we haven't had money to replace him. If you're willing to wear a monkey suit and impersonate an ape, you've got the job. Well, it didn't feel terribly authentic, but the man figured, a job's a job, I need the money, so he signed on. After a few awkward days, he really began to get into the spirit of it. And he soon became one of the zoo's prime attractions. One morning, he was swinging from one vine to the next with a little too much exuberance. And he accidentally swung himself right over the wall into the cage next to his, which was occupied by an enormous African lion. The man could feel the lion's hot breath on his face. He knew he was a goner. Instinctively, he began screaming for help. When suddenly the lion whispered, be quiet, you idiot, or we'll both be out of a job. Yeah, boy. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about the missing piece. This is an important piece of the puzzle. It's a very necessary piece, but it's called authenticity. Come on, somebody say, keep it real. Oh, man, and why is it that in church of all places, this can be one of the, the, the most difficult environments to be real in? I think being real, it starts with what's happening on the inside of you. We live in a culture that puts too much importance on externals. Can I have a good Amen. How you look, how you present yourself, how you come across, even talent and ability and all these things. When God's more interested in what's happening in your heart. I think the Bible speaks of authenticity again and again and challenges us to keep it real. 
see if I can connect the, the dots here. Let's see. Did I do that right? Okay. Yes. Some pieces are, are harder to fit than others. And this is a struggle for many. I want you to see with me in Genesis chapter 3. The Bible talks about it right at the beginning. The first book of the Bible, Genesis 3, the scripture says, verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So what did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and he said, Adam, where are you? Interesting how God, who knows everything, asked one of the most important questions, I believe, in human history. It's a profound question, is it not? Where are you? And God asked the same. Now, I want to ask you this. Was God confused as to where Adam really was? How many know God knew exactly where Adam was? Nothing has ever occurred to God. Nothing has ever dawned on God. God has never said, you know what? I didn't know that. God has complete knowledge. He knew the coordinates. Not only did he create the world, he created man and placed him in the world. Yet he asked Adam this question, Adam, where are you? And I think he asked the same question to us today. Where are you? You see, Adam was hiding. Now, what's fascinating to me, have you ever been just caught cold, busted? Anybody have been caught red-handed? You know, I mean, no excuses, no alibis. I mean, you just knew that you had messed up, and, man, it is on you. What you going to say? Here, Adam, I love it because he takes personal responsibility for his actions, and he summons his courage, and he says, God, the woman. <laughs> Come on, can I get a good amen? You know how this plays out. Adam, where are you? Did, wait, wait, did you eat of the fruit of that tree that I told you not to Adam's like, well, well, well um, um, you know, I, 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 was, I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Well, God, this woman. Don't you love personal responsibility? He starts with the woman, and then he kind of moves it to God really quick. He says, you know, this woman that you gave me, it went from blaming her. Now he's pinning this on God. It's like Adam said, God, listen, come here real quick. Can we talk? Um, you remember when it was just you and me? Remember, it was just me and you for a long time in this beautiful garden here, all the animals, everything was fine. And then you brought her, she came along. It was your idea, right? Come on now, are you with me? See, what is God trying to do? God's He's giving Adam the opportunity to reveal himself. I want you to hear this. When it comes to authenticity, God loves you so much that he'll give you the freedom to hide, but he'll also give you the opportunity to come out of hiding. Can I have a better amen? You don't have to camouflage what's really happening. You don't have to wear the suit and pretend. You don't have to live a false reality and fake everybody out. The question God asks us today is the same. Where are you? Let me ask you this. Where are you today? And not just physically. Where are you emotionally and spiritually? You know, as I prepared for this message, I thought this is one of the most important pieces of, of this entire series that we'll talk about for this simple fact. This is a big church, and, and I, I, I make no apologies for us being large in size. 
I believe when we get to heaven, heaven's going to be populated with a lot of people. I think you'll be surprised at who's in heaven. You'll be surprised at who's not in heaven. And you may be surprised that you made it to heaven. <laughs> right? I don't want to live on some cul-de-sac in heaven with a population of next to zero. No, I want heaven to be populated. So I want this house to be populated. I make no apology for the size of Healing Place Church. In fact, I just want it to grow and get bigger. I want us to be a church so large in size that a city and nation cannot ignore us. But you know what? There is a, there is a, a subculture within a large church that says, you know, I can go to that church and nobody even know me. You see, we got, in this building, we have 127,000 square feet. That's a great game of hide and seek. You can hide in a whole lot of places in this building. But you know what? You can come to church Sunday after Sunday and still not reveal yourself to anyone. You can still hide behind things. And we do it all the time. We hide emotionally. We hide spiritually. Sometimes people resist coming to church because they think church is a bunch of fakers. Right? Just a bunch of hypocrites. How many ever heard that excuse before? I'm not going to that church. Bunch of hypocrites over there. Everybody's just faking people out. No, I'm going to keep it real. You know, and, and so the world uses hypocrisy as an excuse not to be a part of the local church. And God requires us. He calls us. He, he pleads with us, come out of hiding, not because he's confused about where we are, but he wants us to identify what we need, and that's the need to be real. You see, I think authenticity is something that everybody longs for, but sometimes we struggle to find. You know, sometimes it's just easier to fake it. Fake it till you make it. In fact, we fake it sometimes and don't even realize that we're doing it because we've, we've either watched it or we've done it for so long, it's kind of normal. It's kind of automatic. Here, here's a thought that I had. I remember several years ago, Rachel and I, we took the kids on a little vacation. We went to Florida, went to Destin, Florida. I think God took a little slice of heaven and put it right there in the panhandle of Florida. I love the beach. We were out, you know, for a few days just kind of unplugging, resting. And, you know, Rachel says, hey, well, look, I need to do some shopping. I, I, there's a store that I've heard has got a sale. Rachel loves her TJ Maxx. She loves her Ross. And so can I just stop in a Ross for a few minutes, you know, and it's just a, I'll only be there for a few minutes. How many know where this is going? And it was about a time when I was, you know, I started to feel a little hunger pain in my stomach. You know, got the kids in the car. I'm kind of getting hungry. Is anybody out there like me that your attitude is directly proportional to your food intake? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, oh, oh okay, yeah, we'll, we'll stop by Ross for a few minutes. And so, look, I'm just going to run in. So we stay in the parking lot. Got the kids, you know. So she's in there five minutes, ten minutes. 15 minutes go by. Oh, Jesus at the center of it all. Man, I'm feeling just in the core of my, I'm so hungry. The acid in my stomach is eating a hole in my left lung. All right. 30 minutes later, you know, kids are getting restless. I said, okay, kids, listen, I'm going in. I'm, I'm on a special mission. This is like a, a recon mission to get your mother and extract her from the enemy. Stay right here. So now I've kind of worked myself up, you know, so I, I locked the door to make sure the kids are safe, babe. They were safe the whole time. 
They were. But I start marching into that Ross, and I'm looking for that girl. Where is she at? Bless God, I'm going to tell her a thing or two. And as soon as I walked into the door, I heard somebody say, Pastor Mike, is that you? For real. Pastor Mike, what are you? So I went like this. I'm looking for my wife. Pastor Mike. Oh, praise the Lord, sister. How are you? Oh, yes. Isn't God good? Praise the, bless the Lord. How many know we fake it all the time, do we not? It becomes almost second nature to us. We long for authenticity, but we struggle how to find to be real. And God told Adam, and he's asking us today, hey, where are you? Where are you? Look at James 5, this single verse. I want to read this single passage to give you a pathway to authenticity. Look at what it says in James 5, 16. He says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Can I have a good amen? This little single verse of Scripture unlocks, the, it's the, the key that unlocks the door to authenticity. Let me read it again. Confess, everybody say confess. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed for the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first word. It's the word confess. I think we have lost the art, the discipline, and the power of confession. You see, confession is the deep process of discovering your own soul. This is now where we're starting to look internal. Confession is an outward expression, but it x-rays an inward condition. You see, sin always splits the self into two. I want you to watch this. You know, because when Adam fell into sin in the garden, he felt like he had to hide. Now, wait a second. What happened to the fellowship he had with God? The transparency, the authenticity. He was fully disclosed. He, he had unbroken fellowship and union with God. But when he sinned, sin brought separation. So Adam felt like now he's, he's, in two, he's, he's two different people now. He's one way with Eve, but he's another way before God. The apostle Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't end up doing. The things I want to stay away from, I fall into doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. How many of you know sin will split you in two? Part of you that wants to do right and longs to please the Lord, but another part of you is selfish and self-centered and greedy and will step on whoever, whatever, whenever, however to advance self. And we have this war inside of us. Sin will split us into two, but confession brings us back together. You see what I'm saying? Confession gives you the ability to be unified in your soul. Now, there's three quick things I want to give you, three powerful things about confession that I want you to jot down, and the first is this. Here's the power of confession. Confession will disarm the power of sin. When you confess, the power of sin is broken off of your life. Let me say it this way. You'll always be a slave to your secrets. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. 
Those secret things, man, if anybody knew about me, oh, man, you're always a slave. And you find yourself trying to protect and hide behind some things so nobody knows that part of your life. But you'll never be free unless you're free from your secrets. Confession will disarm the power of sin and break its hold off of your life. You say, but Mike, if I confess to God, won't he forgive me? Of course he will. But this scripture says confess to one another. I'm going to show you in just a minute why this is important. When you take what's in the dark and you shine the light on it, its power begins to diminish. When you're at a place where you have nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and nothing to lose. Come on now. That's freedom. Few pe- there are a lot of people that go to church, but few people understand and live in that kind of freedom. Nothing to hide. I got absolutely nothing to prove, and I have nothing to lose. Confession will take the power of sin, and it will break it off of your life. You know the second thing confession does? Confession will liberate you from guilt. You see, Adam and Eve had guilt and shame in the garden, and it's not until they confessed that guilt and shame can be removed. It's amazing to me how people, they're punished by guilt over what they've done in their past. And so they, they, they hide it in a corner of their life, and they spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to manage that. I'll tell you what, faking it is exhausting. Can I have a better amen? It is absolutely exhausting. If you're faking it, it takes a lot of energy to wear the mask, to play the charade. And unfortunately, religion tends to make you closed and dishonest. Can I say that again? Religion, there's a spirit of religion. In fact, let me say it this way. Okay, many of you are familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, AA. It's a powerful environment. There's a ton of support groups out there that have borrowed AA's model. But can I tell you this? AA was founded on Christian principles and teachings. And think about it, the environment that's created when somebody can step in and be transparent. Okay? Now, a spirit of religion will cause you to be closed and distant. But an environment, it's amazing to me, why can't we as a church embrace the transparency that you find in Alcoholics Anonymous? What if we were to come into church and our services looked very different? What if we were to stand up and say, hey, listen, my name's Mike, and I'm a recovering sinner. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait a second, Pastor. I don't know if that's a God. <laughs> Religion fosters dishonesty. Come on now. But a church service should be an environment where you can know and be known, where you can keep it real. You know, what would happen if the church embraced the spirit that said, listen, I don't have my stuff together. I'm a hot mess. Come on now. Hey, listen, and if I'm a hot mess, common sense tells me that you're a hot mess too. You either were a mess, you are a mess, or you're one bad decision away from making a mess. Think of the freedom now, right? Think of the freedom that it would, when you're transparent, it unlocks 
the transparency in somebody else. When you keep it real, it gives them permission to be real. But it takes courage to walk away from stuffy religion. You see, it was the Pharisees that Jesus condemned. They were religious because they loved to pray loud prayers and long prayers on the street corner. They wore these robes that signified that they were religious and everyone, ooh, but Jesus said, listen, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead man's bones because you're not being real. What's happening in here is not what's being projected out there. Are you with me? You see, confession, it dis- oh, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. Confession disarms the power of sin. It liberates us from guilt, and it motivates us to do what's right. When you confess, it's like a 1,000 pounds are, is lifted off of you. <sighs> I'm no longer under the pressure to perform, <sighs> but here I am just as I am. We sing of amazing grace. It's one of the great anthems of the church. But when we talk about the grace of God, I want you to know this. The grace of God will meet you right where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to this church. I was talking to a lady the other day that she said, for years I used to drive by Healing Place Church, and she said to herself, I could never go to that place. I was like, why? She said, because when I drove by, it just looked like a bunch of perfect people It just looked like, she said, it reminded me of a cocktail party of a bunch of successful people, and I knew I would never fit into that place. I'm like, girlfriend, (laughs) hey, talk to the pastor. No, talk to the pastor's wife. She'll tell you how imperfect the pastor is. Man, this is not a museum of perfect people, but this is a gathering of authentic people. Those who say, listen, I've messed up. I've got some challenges, but thank God for his grace. And if you'll just accept me as as I am, maybe I can grow to become more like who God created me to be. Come on, do you believe that today? Oh, authenticity. We're hungry for it. We're desperate for it. We need it. But we struggle to find it. You know, one of the defining moments of any dating relationship is the first time the guy sees the girl with no makeup. Hey, holla, holla. Come on, how many of you, your mind just went back? Oh, yes, indeed. No makeup. I'll never forget the very first time I saw Rachel with not a stitch of makeup. We'd been dating maybe two years, and, and so I needed, I was moving some furniture for a friend, and I needed to borrow her dad's truck. So it was early on a Saturday morning. I didn't tell her I was coming. Early Saturday morning, I knocked on the door. And here come Rachel. Open that door. Woo! She didn't expect to see me. And I didn't know who she was. <laughs> this was back in like the, the early 90s. I mean, this is kind of that big hairspray days, you know. Her hair was just worshiping the Lord in every direction. Man, I mean, not a stitch of makeup on. She had some old ratty sweatshirt and a pair of shorts. And she's like, and I said, wow. (laughs) 
And she's like, wow, what? What, 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 what? what does that mean? Is that like a good wow? Or is that like a, wow, I can't believe you really look like this. Because if it's a second one, then I'm telling you, we got some issues here. I'm like, no, 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 baby. And so I recovered very quickly. I'm like, what, what, this is awesome. You, I just love your natural beauty. Your, your natural beauty. Don't, you just, you just need to go natural more. I just, I like this. Come on, fellas, how many you know? Scoring some points. What if, what if, what if I were to say, next Sunday, I declare next Sunday is a no makeup Sunday. Yeah, some of you fellas are like, yeah! Some of you ladies will be like, I'll be watching at the online campus. You see, the truth is, we put too much makeup on our souls. You see, makeup will accentuate some things but cover up other things. There's some blemishes that we don't want other people to know, and God says, wait a second, I created you. I know you. If you can't keep it real with God, you'll never be authentic with anybody else. Why is it the older we get, the more makeup we wear? Why is it the older we get, the more we manage our face? You know, kids, you know what I love about kids? What's on their face will tell you exactly what's in their heart. Man, if the ice cream truck comes strolling through the neighborhood, you can see it on their face. If they got to eat spinach, you can see it on their face. If they feel like there's a monster under their bed, you can see it on their face. And I wonder if as we've gotten older, we've learned how to camouflage what's really happening. The Bible says confess. Everybody say confess. Well, who do you confess to? Look at what it says. Confess your sins to each other. Somebody say each other. That's the second thing. I want you to write that down, each other. You say, Mike, who do I confess to? Do not confess to social media. Can, can I go there? You do not have to make an announcement to the world. In fact, I think we've got too many people who don't know a whole lot, but they're saying a whole lot. Too much stuff being put out there in social media. Who do you confess to? You confess to someone who will pray for you, not gossip about you. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. You see, the scripture talks about the earnest, the effectual, fervent prayer of a right. We're talking about prayer. Who are you talking to here? People who know how to pray. There's got to be spiritual maturity that sets the environment of your confession. Can I say that again? Because you're not just putting it out there on the streets. Because the world will punish you for it. They'll demonize you for it. They'll villainize you for it. The same people who have the, the, the exact same grotesque sins in their lives will be the ones that will try to accuse you and rip you apart. But spiritual maturity, you got to find people that will be a vault. You know what I'm talking about? I have a handful of men in my life, and these are men that know me, they trust me, they love me, they want what's best for me. But there are times in a small group setting that I say, hey, fellas, what I'm about to share, can you keep this in the vault? In other words, it's locked away. It's between them and Jesus. And man, wild horses couldn't drag it out of them. They, 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 they love, and not that they're trying to cover up sin, 
I mean, you know, God sees our hearts, but they're trying to help me as I grow in my likeness of Jesus. And somebody that will help you, not cover up for your detriment, but cover to bring strength to you. And not have to broadcast everything that they hear, everything that you say. you got to have people that you trust that can put that thing in a vault. You say, Mike, I don't have a vault. Let me tell you, the first place to look for a vault is in a small group. That's why we talk about small groups here. That's why this series, Missing Pieces, it's so important. I mean, think about it. You'll discover your purpose in the context of a small group. You'll walk in authenticity in the context of a small group. You know, if you don't have a small group, then you don't have a vault. And if nobody knows your secrets but you, then you'll always be a slave to those secrets. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other. You know, it's like the, the story I heard recently about three pastors going on a fishing trip. One of them said, hey, let's tell each other the areas that we struggle in the most. Well, let's tell each other our greatest sins so we can pray for one another. Well, the first pastor said, you know, I have a problem with gambling. Sometimes I just sneak out at night and I cross the, the state line and I gamble. The second pastor said, you know, I have a problem with cheating. I've cheated on my income taxes. I haven't paid my income taxes in years. The third pastor said silently, and they waited. They waited. They kept waiting, but he wouldn't budge. Finally, they said, listen, we're not leaving this boat until you tell us your greatest sin. He said, all right, my greatest sin is with gossip, and I can't wait to get off this boat and tell everything. <laughs> Come on, somebody say, keep it in the vault. You need somebody who, could, who knows the worst about you but still believes the best in you. Man, listen, I'm telling you, this is you. You say, Pastor, wait a second. My relationship with Jesus is personal. And I've heard this before. My, wait, wait a second now. Don't tell me what to do. It's my relationship with Jesus is personal. Yes, your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. Jesus, when he called people to be his followers, he always called them publicly. He'd say, drop your nets and come follow me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You will never be who God created you to be all by yourself. You need community. Everybody say confess. Everybody say each other. Somebody say healing. Look at what it says here. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? so that you might be healed. What is the purpose, the end result of all of this? Why would we go to all the painstaking sacrifice to be authentic? Why would we confess our, our mistakes, the things we're not proud of? Why would we, we, we communicate our struggles to somebody else? So that we can be healed. I want to tell you this, church. There is no healing in hiding. And when God said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't to condemn Adam, but it was to heal him because he was broken and he was in pieces. You know what? Healing only takes place in authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. Some of you are here today and God's saying, where are you? Where are you? And he's desperate to find you. You need to be found. Your heart needs to be found. 
today, and this is what I prayed, that God would place courage inside of your heart because what I'm talking about is not necessarily easy stuff. People love to come to church and just hide. And a spirit of religion has kept us for way too long from being completely honest and transparent because the devil knows that if he can keep you faking your Christianity, you will always stay a prisoner to your sin. You say, but wait a second, Mike. If I ask God to forgive me, won't he forgive me? If I confess to the Lord, surely he'll forgive. Of course he will. He'll forgive you. When you confess to God, God will forgive. But if you don't confess to another brother, you'll not be healed. And that's why some people confess their sin to the Lord. God forgives, but then they go back to that sin. They confess and they go, God, listen, I promise I'll never do it again. And he knows that. He knows your heart is right. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And your flesh goes right back to that thing. And you wonder, how can a good person end up in a bad place? Wait a second. You're missing an important step. God wants to not only forgive you, but he wants to heal you. So you never go back to that thing again. When your heart is healed from it, the power of sin is broken off of you. You've come out of hiding. You've shined the light on this thing. And now in full disclosure, you are made vulnerable. Well, will I be judged? Will I be criticized? Will I be condemned? Not in the grace of God, you won't. You know what you'll find? You'll find healing. Let me tell you this. God said to the first Adam, where are you? God now says to the second Adam, whose name is Jesus, go get them. Go find them. Bring them out of their captivity into the light. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ is the only place. Don't you consider this? It's the safest place where you can be transparent. It's the cross. Because at the cross, there was the full measure of sin. Your sin and my sin, the full measure of it was accounted for at the cross. But guess what? At the cross, the full measure of God's grace was accounted for too. Sin met grace at the cross. And the first Adam, he hid, but the second Adam fully discloses himself and says, you can trust me. The worst thing about you, I know it already. You can trust me. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. When God heals you, there's no addiction. There's no stronghold. There's no hurt, heartache, or habit, or hang-up. Come on, somebody. When God heals you, he heals you completely. Drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality, confusion, pain medication. I don't know whatever bondage the enemy is trying to cause you to hide behind. God says if you'll confess your faults one to another and pray for each other, this has to be an environment where people can be healed. This is a healing place for a hurting world. We're not a museum of perfect people, but we're a gathering of authentic people. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.